And hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the campus of Newark UPC, the digital campus, I suppose I should say. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Tonight will be another Bible study, this time continuing our series for this week of Truths Christians Need to Understand. Our teacher tonight will be Sister Lil, so I'm ready to settle in for some good words, Sister Lil, whenever you're ready to come off mute and start your video. All righty. I will do that. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you all tonight. It seems like it's a long time I've been on since I've been on a live uh, broadcast here. Uh, but welcome to all of you. Uh, yesterday, if you joined us, you know that we started a new series this week uh, entitled Truths Christians Need to Understand. And uh, Meg began by dealing with the fact um, with one of the truths we need to understand, which is we serve because of God, not because we are good. So giving us some perspective about why we serve. And uh, we were reminded quite poignantly that there's none good, only God. So tonight, I'd like to talk to you a little while about one of, uh, another truth. And that truth is for Christians, trials are normal. I'm gonna say that one more time. Trials are normal. And I know that's a difficult thing for us to swallow sometimes. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, from the scriptures tonight about why. Um, but let me begin with prayer and we will uh, jump into our scriptures tonight. Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together in your name. God, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us word that helps us navigate this life, oh God, as Christians, God, that guides and leads us, Lord Jesus. God, open our hearts and our minds to your word this night. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Anyone who has lived a bit knows that life can be difficult, right? I mean, little, little ones scream about things that don't go their way. And uh, life can be difficult. In fact, it's often those difficulties that drive us to Christ. So tonight I'm talking about live um, truths Christians need to believe. That we need to have certain things settled. Um, so difficult situations often lead us to Christ, but somehow, when we become Christians, uh, we assume that life is going to become easy, right? I'm going to come to Christ. I'm dealing with all these crises in the world. I'm going to come to the Lord and all is going to be well. And that's a nice thought. And, I, and I'm going to explore tonight a little bit about why we think that, in my opinion. Um, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding in scripture that leads us to that conclusion. Um, for example, let's, let's talk about the, the overall word salvation. Right, we know that Christ came to offer us salvation. And in that word itself um, is the idea of, you know, saved from what, right? So, okay, if I'm gonna need to be saved from something, then that means that that's something I'm being saved for is some negatives, saved from uh, are some negatives. So we, we get the idea that there's obviously some harm or danger uh, lurking that God wants to save us from. So that word in and of itself leads us to believe that if we come to Christ, things will be better. Um, also in the scriptures, I mean, if you just go to Matthew, and that's not one of my main scriptures tonight, but, you know, Jesus says, come to, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. We like rest, right? Again, especially when we've been dealing with difficulties and trials in the world, the idea of rest is a good thing. Uh, and he says, um, because he is humble and gentle at heart, and, and he wants to give us rest for our souls. And 30 says, for my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. 
So again, the idea like salvation is that we're gonna come into something better. Uh, also, hey, the, the greatest thing that Christ did for us, which was die for us on the cross, that very act um, that he did that we can have salvation. The fact that he died on that cross, that he um, took our place, if you will. So we didn't have to pay the price ourselves for sin. So we think if Jesus paid the price, then why am I still facing trials? Right? Anybody ever thought that? So it's with that thinking as our backdrop that I want to go to the scriptures. And I'm going to tell you tonight, there's going to be a lot of scriptures. In fact, I'm going to let the scriptures speak largely. Um, and I think maybe by the time we get to the half hour mark, you might not have any questions because that's how clearly the scriptures speak. But we'll see what happens. So let's jump right in. So for, for example, 1 Peter uh, verse 4, uh, verses, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. I'm going to read it from the message version. And it says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you are abused because of Christ, again, keep our thing in mind, right? That um, truths Christians need to believe. If you are abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It's the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. Something about when we come to Christ that we get on the radar of others. Anybody can, can think about that in your own life. And I would say not only others, but also the enemy. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. If they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, well, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. Verse 19 says, so if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride, trust him. He knows what he's doing and he'll keep on doing it. So here again, uh, the, the, the writer uh, or Peter is saying, hey, being a Christian, going through trials, experiencing difficulties, uh, you know, people feeling some kind of way about you, well, it's par for the course. That's just the way it's gonna be. All right, so let's go over to Matthew uh, 3, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, verse 13. Here's another one. It says, uh, Jesus says, you can't, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. So here Matthew expresses that on our journey, on this gateway to enter God's kingdom, we will face difficulties. And many of us, regardless of whether um, or where we are in Christ, we can attest to this. Some of those difficulties start immediately when we become Christians, as God begins to transform us. So you think about your own walk and, and when you're coming out of the world, right? It's a real struggle to leave that lifestyle behind, uh, to get real about yourself, right? Uh, God calls us to honesty about self and looking at us for who we are, you know, the behaviors, the things we do and, and the, the wickedness of our heart, those, those can be difficult to come to terms with. And so uh, even coming to that realization is a struggle, if you will, causes us some trials. And I know, well, I'll speak for my own flesh. The flesh is not very cooperative. 
I know you go back and listen to let the Meg's message from yesterday. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as good people and we have all these ideas about ourselves, but this flesh does not like to take orders. All right, so uh, when God begins to transform us, this flesh doesn't go, yippee, you know, I'm being transformed. No, no, no. This flesh, this sin in our flesh, it fights the rain. Go and read Romans 7 for a good look at the battle that we all face. You don't believe me. In fact, if you, again, if you're a Christian, you already know you're saying, uh-huh. So we talked about our flesh for a second there, but let's not forget that old devil who was pleased as punch to have us ignorantly and powerlessly following him, right? When we were in the world and we were just living it up and we were doing all kinds of ungodly things and he's like, cool, you know, they're just where I want them. But when we begin to even take strides toward Christ, nevertheless, when we come to him, Oh, he ups the ante, right? He, we, we're on his radar big time now. And, you know, if you ever uh, have known anybody who was an abuser, I think one of the most dangerous times for somebody being abused is when they're, when they're trying to leave that person. Now, somehow that mentality uh, is coming to mind as I think about how the, the devil ups the ante when he sees that we're leaving him and that we're taking on Christ. So, yeah, he doesn't want to lose his grip. And so he hits us with everything he has when we come to Christ. If we come to Christ, we're going, wait a minute, I thought things would be better over here. Seems like they, the things have gotten worse. Well, you're seeing from the scriptures uh, some of what's behind that. Let's look at a few scriptures that talk about um, what happens, what the devil does, you know, how he, how he uh, pursues us. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, talking to Christians here, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. So here we're talking about trials being normal, right? As Christians, we want to suffer some things. And some of that is simply because we belong to Christ. We're not going to be liked the way we would like to in this world. James four verses six and eight says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. So here you hear the language of resistance, right? There's struggle going on. Okay. Because that, that enemy of our soul, that devil, he wants to take us out. And so we have to resist him. Let's go to Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 through 18. Those of you that are following on your Bibles, you want to take notes and look these up later. Um, scripture says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against fashion. What? Fighting. Jesus, what happened to this yoke that was easy? What happened to this rest? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you now from the scripture that uh, there's, there's, there is a rest. And, we'll, and I'll talk about that before I get off here. But there's a, as long as we're here on this earth, as long as we are in this flesh, um, there's going to be a fight. And Ephesians uses that language. So, uh, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers and dark. Uh, in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, oh, 
if you were feeling hopeless, don't be hopeless because God doesn't leave us that way. He's He gives us His Spirit. He gives us uh, weapons of our own to battle in that in that realm. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. God's got our back. If we do what God says, we put on that armor, we're going to be standing firm when it's all over. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from God. I'm sorry, from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So here we say, here we see God doesn't leave us helpless, right? He's armed us. Uh, they, in these, they, this helmet of salvation, right? We, we go about this life and we have a a uh, protector for our mind. The enemy likes to attack our minds and and and, and again um, bring about trials. And and so he assaults us in in every way. The, the, that scripture talked about these fiery arrows that 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 he you know hurls at us, if you will. That we need to keep the shield of faith. And so um, I'm just talking about trials, right? Trials are normal. If you are a Christian and you're doing and uh, you're dead level best to live for God and you're going through trials, don't be dissuaded. You're on the right track. They are normal, expected. James uh, chapter one, verses two and three says, brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. God wants you to be able to stand firm, as he just mentioned in that scripture earlier in, in Ephesians, right? And, and to do so, as we grow and mature, our faith is going to be tested, right? God's going to see what you made of, not to break you, but to make you. So our faith is going to be tested so that we can continue to grow and be strengthened. And when we grow and strengthen, we can help others do the same. We can be in the right place with him. Verse 12 in James says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempting, uh, is tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So we have that in, in, in that scripture there, it talks about that struggle again, right? That in us is the desires to do wrong. And even when we become the Christians, those desires don't necessarily go away. Yes, as we grow and mature, you know, we, we um, discipline ourselves and we, uh, some of those things do go away. But as long as we're in their body, we, we, there's that, that nature in us that, I don't know, it gravitates towards wrong. It, it, it likes things it shouldn't like. And in the things we should embrace, we we don't necessarily embrace. And so that's going to be with us as long as we're in these bodies of flesh. Um, but this, that scripture says that we're going to endure testing and temptation. All right, let's go to another one. John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's one of my favorite verses right there, right? Jesus says, listen, 
in this life, here on earth, you're going to have trials and sorrows. It's just the way it's going to be. But take heart. I have overcome the world. This is when you want to go to the revelation, right? And you want to read the end of the story to understand that Jesus is already, you know, remember we talked about before that um, God is eternal. He's outside of time. And so he's already been to the end. He already, this, this thing is already wrapped up in his mind, if you will. He's already seen how it, how it ends. I've already overcome the world. Okay, so hang in there, people. Have faith. Stay strong, right? You want to be with me in that place. I'm trying not to steal the thunder from this whole message, but I hope you know that the only place that we are going to have absolute peace, that we're going to have no sorrow, that place is going to be in heaven. But as long as we're here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That was Jesus talking, okay? So trials are normal. First Peter 1 and 7 says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That is awesome. So these trials uh, indicate, well, okay, let me back up for a second. Often when we go through trials, we think we're going through because we're doing something wrong. Um, you know, we, we think God has forsaken us, which some of those scriptures alluded to there, but it's not. These trials indicate that you're in the game, right? If you call yourself a Christian and you don't face any trials and the devil ain't after you, and, you know, I know we don't want him to be after, but, but if all, you know, if, if everybody likes you and, and, you know, you don't ruffle anybody's feathers and, 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 you know, these days I can ruffle feathers just by being in the room. But if all is well, if you get along with everybody in the world and in, and, and, and this, you know, that may be an indication that, hmm, you know, maybe that's a problem. But when we suffer trials so often, when we're doing what is right, as one of the scriptures said earlier, right? It's an indication that you're in the game, that you're actually doing something right. And so that you're right where you need to be. So as much as I hate to mention, this is one of my, um, my husband's favorite biblical characters is Job, for example, here. And remember Job. If you don't know about Job, go and read the book of Job. Um, Job faced serious trials, right? I mean, extreme trials, if you will. And the example given in his story is that he didn't go through those trials because he was, you know, he wasn't honoring God because he was living on God. He went for those, he went through those trials because God said, that's my boy right there. Job is the man. Now I'm, I'm putting that in my own vernacular, but he, he did that because he knew Job was faithful, that Job could withstand those, um, that, that test he was being put through and that he was going to come forth uh, standing firm when it was all over. And, and so that was an extreme example. I hope none of us have to deal with what Joe went through, but you know, there was an example of, of being on the right track and having to suffer. Um, but by doing so, we actually bring glory to God. All right. So let's go to Matthew. I'm going to start with Matthew 10 and 16. This is early on when Jesus uh, was first sending the disciples out and he says to them, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Ooh. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but beware. For you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Notice he says, because you are my followers. There are things that we're going to face in this world, right? because we are Jesus' followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and, uh, 
and uh, I'm sorry, to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. So he says, hey, when you, get, when you stand before them, just tell them all about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not uh, you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of the father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother. He's talking about things that are going to happen. Okay, So a brother will betray brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. I don't think that's what you thought about when you first came to Christ, that that's what you were signing up for. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth. The son of man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than their teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. Students ought to be like their teacher and slaves ought to be like their masters. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. Ooh. Think about that. Think about how they treated Jesus, right? He was God in the flesh, uh, dwelling here on earth, and he came to save us, and they still treated him terrible. And he's saying, hey, are you greater than your master? So we ought to count it a privilege when people treat us that way for his name's sake. Um, we're on the right track. Verse 20, 26 says, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who could destroy both soul and, and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Basically you're saying is, is God has it all under control. Okay. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but the sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Some of you saying, no, that's right. I'm talking about the fact that trials are normal. And just because we are Christians doesn't make us, make us exempt from those. That's not what Jesus um, meant when he said he came to bring salvation. Salvation is not here, right? Salvation is when we endure to the end, as the scripture just said. Um, let me, let me jump there. I'm not going to read that last part there. So again, all of that represents struggles because we have chosen to be Christ followers. Uh, I got tons of examples here. I'm trying to keep my eye on the, on the time there. All right, let's look at one of my favorite lists, right? Um, Hebrews 11, that includes all the, the heroes of faith, if you will. Um, in fact, at the outset of this um, Bible study night, when I was talking to Vincent behind the scene, and uh, we were just kind of recapping what the lesson was about tonight, and and I was telling him that, you know, I got a lot of scripture. He goes, yeah, you basically get throwing the old, old, old Testament, right? When we talk about 
the trials that believers face, if you will. And, and here we are going to look at some of those uh, from the Old Testament in this in the study tonight. So Hebrews 11 starts out with, you know, all those who were found faithful. And verse 32 says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Though so they noticed the trials that they faced. So they had to escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. Okay? These followers, they became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. Women received their loved ones back again from, from death. But others, pay attention to this list, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were saw, uh, sawed in half and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves. This is God's people here hiding in caves um, and holes in the ground. All these people earn a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them receive all that God had promised for God has something greater in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Okay, uh, you, you're probably saying, please, it's a little stop. Well, I got a few more for you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter five. For we know, we like to read this, this text here at, at um, funerals, for example, but listen to the words in it. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, that's you and me, right? We're living in these earthly bodies. We groan inside. But it is not what we want to, I'm sorry, but it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And and as a guarantee has given us his Holy Spirit. So in these bodies, we groan inside, right? While we have on this earthly tent, is another way of saying, we're gonna go through, we're gonna groan inside. Even, now, um, I'm sorry, we, um, even in the, the, the idea of trials, okay, trials come in many forms. And we have trials even in our body. Some of us have illnesses. We go through things. We says, why, God, if I came to you, why do I have to deal with sickness and, and, and um, you know, other things that, you know, I didn't think I would if I would. Well, here, in these bodies, in this flesh, this is not it. This is not where we're staying, right? We, we plan on leaving here and having those, those uh, bodies that God has prepared for us when we get to heaven. And so trials are normal. That's why I'm, my point I'm bringing home. All right. Couple more here. Uh, Romans 8, 35 and 37. We read this one uh, when we did the whole week on um, about love and how um, 
you know, God loves us and there's nothing we can do about it. But but in here, again, is a, is a statement about the fact that trials are normal for uh, verse, uh, chapter eight, verse 35 says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? I want you to think about the times in your life where you have suffered trouble and calamity. Some of us are dealing with it right now. And we question whether God loves us or not, right? Don't you see me, God? Don't you see what I'm going through? Does this mean you don't love me, right? When you are persecuted, when people call you everything but a child of God, when people go after you just because you're a God, they don't like you because you're a Christian. And some people don't even know why they don't like you. It's that spirit of God that 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 is, um, you know, present in you that maybe irks some folks and, and you're persecuted uh, because you belong to him. If you are struggling, you know, I get so sick of the prosperity doctrine. For example, the scripture says, if you're hungry, if you're destitute, right? Uh, does that mean God doesn't love you? That is a lie from the pit of hell. So if you're a Christian and you're going through financially, if you if you don't have, you know, um, great wealth, don't you, don't you dare think you're any less precious to God because of that. He loves you. In this life, we're going to have struggles. And so uh, if you're in danger, if you're threatened by death, does it mean that God no longer loves us? Verse 36 says, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we're being slaughtered like sheep. No. So, so the answer to that question, right, does it mean that God no longer loves us when we go when we go with these things? The answer to that question is no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. So when you're suffering those things, don't beat yourself up, right? Don't say, oh, I must not, I must be doing something wrong. Now, if you're doing something wrong, right, you need to, you need to evaluate that. You and God need to get that straight and go ahead and repent and get yourself on the right track. But if you are living your life according to God and you're doing the best you can and you're suffering these things, hey, it comes with it. You're in good company, right? Go back and read the Hebrews 11, for example. There's countless examples. Literally, you can go read the Old Testament. But come to the New. The New Testament. Okay, Paul, for example, right, who wrote some of these um, uh, scriptures that, that I just read to you. Now, you know, Paul was beaten and jailed and shipwrecked, right? And at the end of Paul's, or toward the end of Paul's life, Paul said, I have fought a good fight, right? I have finished my race. So here's that language again, that life here on earth ain't cushy, not even for Christians, Okay, um, the other apostles, I mean, all of them, except for John the Baptist, were put to death in some manner, right? Um, you know, that wasn't a natural death. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner for Christ, I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, shooting off something right here, right? He was beheaded for, 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 the, for the love of Christ. And so in this life, we're going to have troubles. And it may look the same as other people. Let me tell you, it's not. Let me, let me add that in there. If you say, well, what's the use, right? You know, why not just stay in the world then if it's going to be the same? It is not the same. It is not the same. God is with us. That's the difference. His spirit is with us. He equips us. He uses us as his examples um, to, to model his power in this world. Right. So it's not the same as we were in the world. He keeps us by his spirit. He got he uses us to bring others who are suffering. Right. He does give us peace here on earth. There's a peace in all this scripture that gives us peace that passes all understanding that even when we go through all these things, we know we are kept. We know that God is, we know that that um, that we're headed for something greater. This ain't just it. Because if your hope is in this life always, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for me if this is it. But we know that this is not it. That even if we are 
um, so on and so on. Even if we go through some of the things that we just read about, some of these extremes that we read about in the scriptures that people went through, right? We going on the glory, right? So, so living with a, we live with a different mindset because we know we belong to Christ. We know um, that he has plans greater than these earthly plans for us. So we go through in this life, right? We go through the devil's on our, on our heels, right? I don't like to give him too much glory, right? Uh, living in this world, we live, we are, as Christians, we live contrary to this world. It's a challenge to live godly in an ungodly world. Everything you see is something crazy, right? Everywhere you go, I mean, all the, you know, the ungodly, it, it, it's a challenge in it. So the, so the world, we live in, in a, we're, you know, we're in it, but we're not of it. That's a that's a trial. We go through with that, right? This flesh does not like to cooperate. It wants what it wants, right? So we're going to suffer trials for that, right? Simply because we're his. The scriptures, you know, says that, yeah, we become on the radar of others when we become his. And not only that, but God uses us, right? God is the one who puts us through these tests, not to break us, but to strengthen us, to prepare us, right? To make examples of us. You know, he likes to do that. I know sometimes, you know, he likes to hold us up to the world and say, fuck, you know, look, look at this person. Look at this person who suffered all these things, but look what they have been able to do through my power. We're his examples in this world. We're his ambassador to this world. And yeah, there's sometimes that we suffer trials because God is correcting us. We don't like that one. Well, we don't like any of them, but we really don't like that one. But the scripture says, whom he loveth, he corrects. So even in that, we ought to rejoice, right? The fact that he didn't just leave us in our sin, leave us by the wayside and say, oh, it's a wrap, deal with it, right? But the fact that he corrects, corrects us is a demonstration of his love. And that can feel like punishment, right? But God actually wants us to get back on the right track. And so just, you know, I just kind of ran through those tonight and I know I talk fast and I get on the roll, but I wanted to show you from the scriptures and they was so many more. Trust me, you, you, you probably said, whoa, sister, that was a lot of scriptures. But trust me, there were so many more that I could have ran through here tonight um, to make this point. Uh, but I'm going to come off. We are a little bit past a half hour there. And I will be happy to take your questions or feedback. Anything you want to share, Vincent? We got any questions in the queue? Yeah, we got a few built up. So the first one, so the first one is, what happens when we fail in our trials? Oh, let me tell you, God is patient, right? Yeah, and, and, and God is not one who writes us off. So when we fail in our trials, fact that the, the fact that you can recognize you fail means that you can repent, right? Or you can adjust, whatever that is. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I can say, uh, you know, car block across the board that every time we fail, that means we sin, right? But whatever the case is, if it's, a, whether it's, if it's something that you sin, right, you repent. You ask God to, you know, let me tell you, God will give you another shot. It may not look exactly like, you know, when you say fail, I think of a test, right? You mean, but it may not make look exactly like the test that you just, you fail, but it'll come around again. And here's the thing about when we fail. And I hate to fail. I can tell you that right now. I, I hate to fail and we all do. Right? But some of the most potent lessons are learned from our failures. I can tell you that, you know, there's things, you know, I'm not sure who this is, an adult or child here that, that said that, but, um, you know, where someone tried to tell you ahead of time, maybe it was God to try to tell you ahead of time from the scriptures, how to do something. And you, and you thought you knew it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the kind of thing. And you, you didn't quite get the lesson 
um, maybe from the from from what God said or whoever it was that you know gave you instruction. But when you fail, right? There's something about when we fall, we get this light bulb moment, like, oh, you know, that's what God was trying to say. You ever had that experience or or whoever, and then you suddenly get it. Um, unfortunately, those are some of the lessons you never forget. You understand better after a failure, and so the next time that trial comes along, you're more apt to 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 succeed. Just to use that language, right? You're so it's okay, right? It's 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 important to acknowledge it, right? To own it, not make excuses for it. Don't call it something it's not. Don't try to sugarcoat it because you want to get everything out of that lesson you can, right? You know what I mean? And so that you can apply it going forward. So it's okay. So the next question is, why do some people have more trials than others do? Oh, boy. Well, I just read you some scriptures. I gave you some examples of some, some characters from the Bible. It happens, right? It happens. Um, maybe in some of those, are there lessons maybe you did learn to piggyback on the first person question that you need to you know, evaluate, and, um, but maybe not. It's really hard to tell. Why? You know, I've heard some cool sayings um, like, you know, God gives his greatest battles to his strongest, strongest warriors, that kind of thing. And, and you know, uh, and, and all that, you know, well, when you're going through the battles, you, you're like, give it to somebody else. I'm not that strong. Right. I mean, but um, I, I don't I don't know about that. But I know that God doesn't want to break us. Right. God is not out to destroy us. And so um, some of us just have more. Again, if you could just look to the list of some of those people that are outlined in that Bible study or go to your word, you know, um, you know, I can't say why some of us have more than others, but I can say that God will be faithful through it all. Right. And that if you, you know, you keep that communication with him, you talk to God, you, you learn the lesson you're supposed to learn if that's you know, the reason, but you know, that, that's, that brings me to another point is that sometimes we get all caught up in trying to analyze why is this happening to me? You know, and, and, and we can get kind of stuck in that mind frame and we become victims, you know, instead of, um, you know, mo moving on through these things. In other words, we let those trials define us and we just kind of lay down under them and, you know, you know like a toddler just kicking and scream on the floor. Like, you got to get up, right? You know what I mean? You got to learn how to do the things the scriptures tell you to do. And remember to be in, in um, communication with God because God wants us to succeed, right? He's not bringing trials our way if there are trials that God brings our way to destroy us. He wants us to have that victory that he talked about uh, in some of those scriptures. So that helps. Yep. So the next question is, how can we better turn away from the world and the temptations that come with it if we face them regularly, if we're still living and working in the same environment? So this person even acknowledges we might be able to drop friends, leave old friends and move on, but maybe not family or coworkers. So what are your thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've only worked in the church now about well, full time. What am I going on? I don't know, six or seven years, something like that. So I've worked in, in the in the um, secular work world all my life. And I'm I'm not going to say how old I don't feel like saying how old I'm. By the way, happy birthday, Eric. I know you're the big 4 I'll give you a shout out today on, on our broadcast. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> but um, I think, okay, we're always... We're always going to be, should I say that? I guess that outnumbered, if you will, right? In the world, I mean, we're, we're always, I mean, we got to go to college. We have to live in this world. Um, but we live in this world with a certain mindset, 
Okay. We belong to Christ. It's not going to be cushy. Right. So, so we go into the workplace and you go into the workplace and, and you know, you got to go into that workplace knowing who you are. Right. We don't go in there to judge people. Right. We don't go in there to, you know, smooth out Christian knows, Christian knows of it. People, we go in to be light. And so you do the best you can to be light, to be an example to God, you know, not to have a wrong expectation of the world, right? We hold the world, I think we have some lessons on that, where we hold the world to the same standard as we do the church, and it's not so. Um, so I think changing your perspective about, you know, going in and, and, and um, how you can influence, right? Light overcomes darkness. So if you think about that, how can I go in? And I'm talking about going in and, you know, beating people over the head with the Bible and spouting scripture and, and being hard-handed with it, that kind of thing. But but going with a certain mind frame that you are light and that the one that is with you is greater than, than the spirit that is in this world, even if it's just you. And so, you know, just go at it with a different mind frame, right? You can you can be kind to people and polite to people and not indulge in their sin or not. And, and I found that, you know, when you conduct yourself as a Christian, um, I don't know, somehow word gets around the workplace. I, I, I've had that experience myself, you know, you know, folk come in my office, they don't come in with the same old stuff. They might go in Joe's office next door, I'm just making up a name, you know, because they know what you stand for already. And it's not that you're being judgmental, but they just know. So remember that you are light, right? If you have the spirit of God in you, do you bring light? What I can bring to the workplace or wherever these situations, to the family, that kind of thing. Um, and, and maybe, you know, look at it from that perspective. So what are the difference or what is the difference between the trials of a Christian and the trials of the world? Uh, all right. Trials of a Christian. Okay. Trials of the world. That's a downward spiral. Right. I mean, I, 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 I'm just, I know I've explained things weird, but that it's a downward spiral. There's, there's trials of the world. Okay. Uh, one of those scriptures, and I don't have it. I scroll down past it, you know, talks about that when you're persecuted, you know, be sure you're not being persecuted for things that are wrong. Right. If you're out here murdered and living godly, that kind of thing, that's that's not what we're talking about. God doesn't bless mess. Um, but in in the world, the difference is we belong to Christ. It's part of it is the reason you're being persecuted, right? So talk about that. The, the scripture said that, that if you are pers being persecuted because you've chosen Christ, I'm just paraphrasing that. The scriptures say that. And so if you because you're doing the right, you're you're on the right track. Like that, that's okay. It's a good thing. For one, God has got your back in this world. In the world, the enemy just, I use this word, he just manhandles us. Right? I mean, we're like little rag dolls in his hands. He does what he wants to do with us, right? We have no defense. Um, you know, we have no, we have no armor to use some of this, the, 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 those uh, words from the scriptures that I outlined tonight. We have no defense against him, right? We are, we are literally helpless. But when we come to Christ, Right? His spirit equips us. We have the power to rebuke some things. We got the power to bind some things. We got we have the power to resist. Right, We have the power to reverse that thing on the enemy in a lot of ways that we can affect his world. Like I talked about the person talked about in their workplace. Right, You can bring you bring power to a situation. You bring spiritual authority into, into this scenario. So we are not helpless. Right, We are not helpless. We are empowered. And we know that we have a, ultimately the biggest difference is that we have a different destination when it's all over, right? Some things may look very much the same, but they are not, not, not by leaps and bounds, okay? In the world, we go through trials, we suffer things. We, we, that, it's a wrap. In Christ, we suffer things. God is with us. He helps us through it. Even that, you know, it doesn't, he, he doesn't let us break. He gives us peace 
in the midst of those trials that passes all this understanding. I mean, there's this thing that God equips us. This this life for it's not it's not uh, hopeless. In the world, we are hopeless when we face trials and we don't have the power of Christ. That's a different perspective. In Christ, we know that all is not lost, right? In Christ, somehow we know, you know, it can be crazy. And people are trying to figure out why you haven't lost your mind when the person in the world has literally lost their mind. And the same thing is because he gives us peace that passes all understanding. God empowers us. He holds us with his spirit. So it is very different. And obviously in the end, if all things look the same in the end, we get to go home with him. Yep. No. So what do we do if we fail or mess up in our trials, like we were talking about earlier, and we go to God, we repent, but it feels like others haven't forgiven us or forgotten about it. Mm. Got to go back to those lessons on forgiveness. <laughs> right. You know, um, see, that's one of those things, again, about this, the, the overarching thought about this lesson is that sometimes as Christians, we think everything is going to be fair when we come to Christ. You know, I mean, everything's going to be peachy. We got, and it's just not so. But God, right, gives us the direction of how to operate anyway. So, yeah, we fail. We do our best. Right? God, God talks about reconciliation, right? He wants us to be reconciled. Um, but that's not always going to be the case. So if you you know, have failed and you've affected other people. You know, for example, you went back to them and you, you know, asked them for forgiveness. You try to make things right, you know, to the best of your ability and they don't accept that. Then you've done what God has required of you, right? You just keep on loving them, whatever the situation, I mean, you keep on doing right by them with these people you have constant contact with. Um, but you can't do anything to make a person reciprocate forgiveness or love or, or that kind of thing. But you do your very best and it's okay. Right, God's okay with God. God's looking for you to conduct yourself in the way that you need to conduct yourself. It'd be great if you gain that person again. But if you don't, and you've done all that you can, then you just have to keep on walking and 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 still being, you know, doing right by them. So does every trial have a spiritual significance or are some of them just things that happen? Oh, I don't think every trial. Now, when I'm being really whiny, I'm going to be telling you, when I get really whiny, yeah, everything got a spiritual significance. Oh, that old thinking devil, you know, that kind of thing. But I I don't believe so, right? We are still in these flesh bodies, for example. Okay? And that's another thing that the church is famous for. And I'm going to beat up on church for a minute. We call, we make everything spiritual, right? We call everything a spirit. Um, you know, um, you know, somebody has mental illness, for example. Right. That's what we're famous for, you know, oh, the spirit of depression, you know, that kind of thing. We want to, you know, we want to, that kind of, and, and it's these bodies, for example, right, they want to break down. These bodies are not going to live forever. Scripture just told you that we'll have new bodies when they come, right? It, so it's natural, for example, that these bodies are going to break down over time. Um, you know, the, the, you know, sin obviously has come into the world and we're going to suffer, you know, all kind of illness and things in these bodies because in the world is broken right now. And so I don't believe that every trial has spiritual significance. I think there's, there's just things in, a, in our flesh, for example, you know what I mean, that, that we all gonna want to suffer. Well, plus, of course, there's also the fact that um, there's always these self-inflicted trials. You know, you get a bad reputation at work because you're cranky half the time. You know, that one, not quite a spiritual trial. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you got a spirit of crankiness, right? You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's a, that's a actually a very good point. Yeah, some things that you, we bring on ourselves and they have nothing to do with spiritual um, things necessarily. Good point. 
So do, this is a related question to a few, but do Christians have the same types of trials as the world? So finances and family and that sort of thing? Yep. Just think about your own life. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I'm not being quick with whoever that is, but if, just think about your own life. That's why I said uh, early that um, some things may look the same on the surface. You know, we look at what we go through and we look at some of the things the world goes through and we say, well, what's the difference? There is a difference in Christ. Right. The fact that God is with us. I say that a lot because that to me makes it makes all the difference that he's with me in my suffering, that he's with me, you know, I mean, guiding and leading me and giving me direction in these things um, to go through the things. And I've lived both. I didn't come to the church that I was 25 years old and I lived it up in those 25 years. And I remember the difference about some of the things that I dealt with pre-Christ to now. Right. Just to be able to go to him, to feel his presence, to, you know. He has this way of, you know, sort of wrapping his arms around you, let, let you know he's there. And he does give us direction. And, and he, as that scripture says that, you know, um, take my yoke upon me, right? That I'm like, there's just something about when you yoke up with God, your load just isn't quite as heavy. And it may simply be because you know he's there, bearing it with you sometimes. Sometimes he removes it. Sometimes he just says, okay, let me, you know what I mean? I'm, let me. Let me, let, me, let me walk with you with that thing. That knowledge is powerful. It really is the fact that you have the God of all glory on your side who's walking with you in this life. That, that's a big difference. So yes, on the, yeah, we go through things. Right? We know Christians who have illnesses in their body, same illnesses as the people, same family conflict. We, we know that. But it's the fact that God is in it with us and helps us that makes all the difference. So can and do Christians evade or avoid some trials because we're Christians? Oh, I believe so. Right? I don't know if you can consciously think that, but okay. Um, there are some things that I don't deal with, right? Because when you choose Christ, somebody talked about earlier, you know, about, um, you know, having to go places, for example, that you have no control over. Um, there are some trials I don't face anymore because of my obedience to Christ. Right? You put yourself, I'm talking about you putting yourself, constantly putting yourself in precarious situations, right? You won't suffer some trials for those things, right? I mean, that deep. I'm not going places that God said don't go, for example. I mean, we're making different choices, my point is, in Christ. And by definition, when we make better choices, we don't necessarily face the same trials as we did. Um, and I mean, there was a second part of that that I was going to say, and I, it just went out of my brain in that second. But, but um, man, what was the question? Can you see, still see the question, Vince? I had another yeah. part I wanted to say to that. Yeah, it's just, can or do Christians evade some trials because of the fact that we're Christians? Absolutely. Okay, so by your choices, thank you for reading that again. You can you can um, avoid some trials, but also we have no idea what God has kept us from. You don't see your life in the spiritual realm. You don't see the, you know, the, the, the uh, totality of what's going on. You know, um, you don't know what harm he's kept you from, you know, uh, whether that be, you know, I've heard, you know, car accidents and, and danger. We, we don't know how God is operating behind the scene. You know, the, the, the scripture says that the, um, the, that the steps of the righteous are ordered, right? Where, how God is ordering, you know, your steps. I've, I've heard stories before of, you know, people who were delayed, you know, funny stories, you know, um, Christians tell about, you know, oh, I couldn't find my shoes that morning. You know, I'm, I had to get out to church and I'm trying, I'm trying to find my shoes and my keys and this kind of thing. And then they found out that it was some big accident that would have been, you know, in the path that they would have taken to go to church, for example, right? And, and they felt like that God delayed them on purpose. 
to, but my point is, I believe firmly that there's lots of things that God has kept us from. Scripture says he gives his angels charge over us. We don't know what God is doing, but I do believe that we have, um, that he keeps us from things that we, we have no clue. Yep. Well, I know Dad swears his tires last longer, so uh, last longer than normal. So yeah, I think I hey, I'm a firm believer that I really do think God is working, and and uh, we don't we don't know what all God is doing in our lives. Obviously, we see the things we see, but you know what we don't see, I believe, is so much greater. You know that that story um of who was it Elijah, who who you know thought he was outnumbered, you know the Midian, so to speak, and and and. You know, he thought, oh my goodness, you know, it's only me. And then, and then his servant said, you know, open your eyes. And he saw that they that are with us uh-huh. are greater than, and, and I, you know, I know that's not quite snip, but I think there's, there's this, in the spirit anyway, there are things, well, I'm watching number words here, but you get my point, right? There's so much going on that we don't even see um, where God is working on our behalf. And yes, in that, I think we are, we are spared some trials. So, Another question is, so you talked about how trials are normal. If you're doing the right thing, you should expect to be seeing trials. So what if you aren't experiencing any, any trials at the moment? Should you take that to mean you're blowing it somehow? Somebody's trying to set me up, right? <laughs> well, at the moment, hey, they are reprieves, I believe. <laughs> they're seasons. Now, all jokes to the side, I feel like there are seasons. I've had seasons in my life as, as, as a Christian where, you know, all was well for a while. Now, you know, there was no uh, visible trials or known trials going. And then there's times where I'm just getting whooped. I mean, it, it just keeps coming for, and I'm like, my goodness, you know, what is this? And, and um, so I believe there are seasons um, to these trials, if you will. And, you know, perhaps you're in a season of that where I call it a reprieve. Um, but I do think we have to evaluate our own lives. We have to keep our own lives before God. And that's where that honesty comes in. Um, you know, we can we can make real nice in this world. You know, uh, for example, if you're the kind of person that wants to get along with everybody, and I'm not, I don't mean that you want to make trouble, but um, if you you in other words, you have to you and God have to look at your heart and, and, and what you're dealing with. So if you if you're the kind of person that's agreeable to everything, you know, yes to everybody. You know, go along with the flow, that kind of thing. And you're not standing for God, and you, you know, you know that whoever you are better than anybody else. You know what I mean? Because if when you're making stands for God, people notice that. But if you're the kind of person that's want to be, maybe my point is, you. But you and God have to have to um, have to evaluate that. You have to open your yourself to God and, and talk to Him about that. Let Him show you what's what. So this question is wandering totally off topic, but it's the last one we got so far. So this person asks, what is your take on people who, and I'm just going to read it quote for quote, who quote, want a personal refrigerator involved in their heavenly reward? What? Want a refrigerator? (laughs) I do not know what is happening with this question. Okay. I, I will tell you it's Antoine's, so that might explain part of it, but. Yeah, yeah. see, he was hoping you was going to, he, he thought you were going to just ignore that question, Vince, so he put it out there, just have, well, tell Jesus about it, right? <laughs> that's all I got to tell you on that one. So you want a fridge in your mansion, Antoine, is that it? Is that what he's trying to say? <laughs> I believe he's trying to make fun of Joyce or something. <laughs> he could have been a little bit clearer with his goofy question. 
I'm not even surprised by that. Ultimately, tell Jesus about it. I can't help you. <laughs> yep. So that does about wrap up the questions for the night. So okay. this was a good Bible study. Well, good. I, I, I was, uh, I'm like, man, that's a whole lot of scripture here. They might just run off, but I figured the scriptures could speak clearer than I could. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought they were really uh, poignant and bringing out that point. And, um, you know, I do like the fact that we're doing this series um, because there's the things that if we do understand, then we live more effectively. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we do often get this whole, um, the whole topic of trials and we, you know, we get it all misconstrued. And, you know, I know I'm one of those people that as soon as something wrong happens to me, I'm thinking, what did I do? You know, I go, I go to, oh, I must have done something wrong. And that's probably the default for most of us. Um, and, and yes, do that. Think you, we definitely need to do look at that and say, wait a minute, what did I do wrong? Because we don't want to miss that. If we did something wrong, we want to make that right. We want to learn a lesson from it, all those things. But um, but as soon as we figure that out, you know, we need to move on because um, when we when we when we stay there, that leads to condemnation. You know, what I mean that that leads to to ruts. That leads to all kind of you know negative things that, to, to us being ineffective and stagnant, and and it leads to fear. You know, you know all that, and so when we understand the truth about things, then we can operate better, you know, from a, from a place of truth instead of, you know, misinformation. So I like the fact that we're doing that, doing this series, and hopefully this will encourage some of us that, you know, when we face trials, we don't go, why me? You know, it's that, that is where we tend to go. But, um, but yeah, go to your scripture and say, okay, what am I supposed to do in these trials? Right? Do you have on the whole armor? Are you are you consulting God? You know what I mean? You know, is God is there something God wants me to learn or someone you know that God wants me to help with this trial? Like try to really get the lesson out of it or or, or get where God wants you to get out of that, and so that you can be effective for Christ. Yeah. Well, everybody joining us tonight, thank you for coming out and coming to the digital campus of Newark UPC. For any info, you can join a small group, submit prayer requests, baptism requests, all sorts of things. Uh, Check out our Kids Hub. Uh, You can go to newarkupc.info. It'll have all sorts of useful information there. In particular, we have a Kids Hub, which is for children I believe below middle and high school, which have, which meets every Sunday. And we actually have a youth group that will be meeting right after this Bible study. So I hope that you'll check that out. And if you have a kid or a young person, hope you'll get them involved. And I'll look forward to seeing you all at some point in the future. And until then, good night. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Good night.